family together, right, to be able to do this. Um, just going through this week, speaking to different people. The one thing I thought people asked me, like, yo, we need to have church. And I'm like, yeah, we need to know they have church. And then I'm like, amazed that we have church. So we're blessed to be able to come together each and every week and just meet, you know, as family, get to see one another and just um, hear the word of God, right? So I want to introduce the guys this morning to the speaker that will be bringing the word. And so um, I know this guy from a young age, you know, watch her run wrong in a pampers, all of that. So if one of the guys would have, you know, help me bring this speaker up as we just get ready to introduce um, Mr. Erickson. So, yeah. Body, <laughs> body, all right. So, this morning we will be in 1 Samuel 17. If you guys have your Bible, if you guys want to turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. So, quick recap as to where we are in the story. So, in a verse 16 of 1 Samuel, we see that David gets anointed, right? So, God took away his anointing from Saul. Right, the the kingly anointing from Saul. He didn't want Saul to be the king anymore. He took that anointing away, and Samuel was mourning. And so, when Samuel was mourning, God came to Samuel and said to him, "Why are you mourning, Saul? Fill up your your horn with oil and be on your way to Bethlehem to go see Jesse." Right? Jesse is David's father. And so, Samuel head out on his way, gone to Bethlehem. But before he gone, he be fearful. He tell he tell God. Well, what if Saul hear about this, or what if Saul see me, Saul, I make them kill me, right? Because if he know what I'm going to do. And so God tell her, take a heifer with you, right? An animal for sacrifice. And he said, invite Jesse and his sons to go sacrifice with you and say that you have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And so he gone, carried the animal, invite Jesse and his son. But when he invite Jesse and his sons, Jesse have eight sons, but Jesse only invite Seven of them, right? One of them he left home, that, that David. David take care of the livestock, the sheep, uh, whatever else. They have chicken, cow. He take care of all of, he take care of all of that. So they never invite David. And so Samuel um, and Jesse and his sons, they are the place. And the first person up I walk in, I mean the oldest, right? Elab. And when he walk in, Samuel said, well, Lord, this must be he. Because you know that I'm a strapped guy in a shape, you know. And so he said, well, this must be the one what you want I anoint. And so the Lord said, no, that's another one what I want you to anoint. So when the Lord may tell Samuel of gun, he tell her, I will indicate to you who I want you to anoint. And so the second one come in, the third one come in, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, there never none of them. So he asked Jesse, you have any more son? Jesse said, yes, you have one more son what tend to the livestock. And so Samuel tell us, send for him. So they send for David, and David come, and as David come in, God said, that that him, that that the one part I want you to anoint. And so Samuel anointed David, and later on in the story towards the end, uh, an evil spirit come upon Saul, right? And when this evil spirit come upon Saul, Saul send one of his officials to go out in the land to find somebody to play the lair, right? And just so happened to be David. So 
God placed David in this position whereby David had a foot in the door, basically, in a Saul's castle, in a um, Saul's, you call it empire or whatever you want to call it, right? And so every time David would play the lair, the evil spirit would leave Saul. And so David ended up going back and forth between Saul and his father because, remember, David still tend to the livestock and stuff like that. So much so that Saul turned David into one of his armor bearers, right? And so he actually pulled rope in David all the way in. And so, just for giving you guys a brief, you know, how this whole message come about. The past, I'd say, three to four weeks, maybe, maybe a month and a half now, my personal thing with God is he's been showing me how to value his presence more, right? In a... The first class of power gone through in a KSSM, Bill Johnson speaks out in a this way. He said, if the Holy Spirit or the presence of God that may an actual dove, how much are we may value it, care for it, tend for it, the way we tend for ourselves? If if it may come and rest on your shoulder right here, how much are we may even know if the dove did it? Or how much are we may even know when the dove left and the dove come back? Because as we see in the story with um, the woman that was bleeding for years, she touched Jesus' garment, and Jesus um, turned around and said, who touched me? Jesus sensed when the presence left from him. He sensed when the power from, from his body gone to the lady and the lady get healed, right? And so he's been challenging me in a, that way is that value my presence more than when you, you need it, you know? Because oftentimes we only, we only want to value God's presence or we only want God's presence when they're in a worship or, or when they're at church or, or when they're in a certain situation. But as we go throughout the day, we minds wander and forget about God, right? And so he's been challenging me to value his presence on 24-7 basis. And in doing that, you know, I hit a couple speed bumps and, and hurdles and stuff. And one of the things what I hit is, I think about two weeks ago, my mom called and she said, you know, I don't feel too good. Um, might have to go to the hospital. Praise the Lord, that never nothing major. But I started pray, and in praying, uh, I said this quote by everybody, like say, you know, we fight from victory, not for victory. And I say, I say it's a bold, and as I said, I hear God say, you really believe that? And it stumped me, like I stopped praying. You know, I stop myself and I stop pray. I pause the, the worship music. I said, Lord, no, I, I don't, not for me, I don't believe it. I said, I believe it for other people. I believe it when I pray for somebody, right? I believe it when their situation bad. I believe it when my situation good. But when circumstance bad, I don't believe it. And I said, God, why is that? And he said to me, you need to learn how to attack. Not just attack, but attack the right way. He said, when the enemy come, you need to have a battle plan, a strategy. Something up, you know, a change or you know, a wave up on. And he said, I will give you that plan. And he pulled me to this story, right? Very popular story in the Bible, David and Goliath. And he said, I'm going to show you how I prepared him. I positioned him, and I 
let him carry out the attack which led to victory. All in this one story. And so, the title of the message is Attacking the Right Way, you know, because I feel like that's the way God push her towards in this season. I mean, right now, in the world, I mean, even now with one tongue, evil the rear head more than usual. And we could either lay back and just take it, or we could stand up and fight. And we could stand up and fight from a position whereby we not just say we fight from victory, not for victory, but we actually believe that and we actually walk in at that because if we may actually believe it and walk in at it, with mindset, with life, everything about we may be way, way different. All right, so we are starting at verse four. If one of you guys have on a Bible, not because you catch me, I feel like sometimes it's song go. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, so then at verse four, it said, A champion named Goliath who was from God came out uh, just briefly. So the Israelites and the Philistines that are war, right? This is our story. So a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scaled armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his leg, he wore a bronze greaves and a bronze javelin slung on his back. His spear, his spear shaft was sharp as a weaver's rod and iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went before him Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of the Israelites, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not, a ser- are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight, if he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I am able to overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, on hearing the Philistine word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So we have brought this up into a couple different parts, right? So the first part will be from verse 4 to 11. Um, the word attack, first of all, the word attack means to take action against a place or enemy with weapons, armed forces, and typically this rings towards battle. Right? One thing apart, God just give me, in at the time apart, I made a prayer apart, I made um, apart, I made a doubt, you know. He said, What do you invite people into when you go out, when you reach out to people? What do you invite people into? Whether it be believers, whether it be non believers, what do you invite them into? And I'm so, I'm so convicted because. Every time I, I give them this happily ever, ever after picture, this rainbow and everything will be sunshine and, you know, and that's not, that's not it, you know? And he said, we have to stop painting the happily ever after picture. He said, because every time when we paint the happily ever after picture, the enemy come and he present himself the same way Goliath present himself, big and bad, right? It was believed that Goliath, I mean, nine foot, nine inches, almost ten foot, right? Goliath shield bearer, the shield apart, the bear, the shield bearer made carry, the almost the same height as the shield bearer, right? 
This is a whole big goal. I me big. And when the enemy presents himself to we like this, we quickly buy into it. And the thing that he wants, the thing that he wants is for us to see him as nine foot nine inches tall and see God as two inches tall. The moment we believe that, the moment we buy into that, I don't know if you want to realize what happened in the first part of the story. But the enemy literally was dictating their battle plan. And that, that the first thing Papa God speak to me, he said, we cannot let him dictate our battle plan, our strategies. Because the moment he start dictate our attack, the moment we buy into the smoke and mirror image that he creates, which by the way is just to bring fear, right? Fear that he main weapon. If he bring fear, he push up on the defense, he push up on the defense, he got to weapon he want to. Because if you play sports, if, if you watch any kind of sports, if you're up on the defense, you just block the attack of the come out of you. And that means he have the weapon he wants you. That means you know the impact. That means you know the operating your gifting. That means you know the operating your calling, whatever God lay upon your life. Because he have your back in a corner filled with fear and you're up on the defense. And when you're up on the defense, you're all the mindset that preserve you, right? Just you. Screw everybody else, just you. And so the first thing God said to me as I cracked this chapter, start opening it, he said, stop letting the enemy dictate your attack and your battle strategies. So I pick up in a verse 12, it says, now David, son of, now David was the son of an Ephraim named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first born was Elab, the second was Abinadab, the third was Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roast grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brother and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses for the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are doing. Bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistine. Early in, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of left the flock in the care of another shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle point, shouting their war cry. Israel and the Philistine were drying up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle line, asked his brother how they were, and as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came from Gat stepped out from his line and shouted the, his usual defiance. David heard it. Whenever Israel, whenever the Israelites saw this man, they were all fled from him in great fear. Now, the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked, David asked the men standing near him, 
What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and remove his disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine. So being the youngest in a David's family, David never gone into battle, right? Excuse me. David never gone into battle. They wouldn't put the youngest in the family into the hardship of battle in at that time. And so David made it back and forth because remember he had my armor bearer for Saul. And so David having that foot in the door, this that the part or part I want to guide, um, pay attention to, right? So God gave me three specific things. He said the preparing, right? He prepare you, position you, and then the attack come. You know, the story kind of reverse, right? Because this part that the positioning, this part of the story that we're God positioner. God's timing is so good, right? God's timing is so good that David left from his house at such a time that he may get there in an exact time for here when Goliath may say what he said. Because if you look at the story, they only had morning and evening whereby Goliath may come out. So if David may left later from his house, David may miss where Goliath may say. Right? But the thing is, what I feel, and this is my personal opinion, God had to position David in order to solidify David's position to the people of Israel. Not just as a man of God, or may I lead them. Not just as a man of God, or may I lead them, but as the warrior that David may have become farther on in the future. See, when David hear what Goliath say, when Goliath speak, a stirring from the Lord took place in a David. A stirring like no other. And the only way how I could uh, you know, think for explain this at all no, is when, I don't know if that's just a Belizean thing, you know, but when, you, <laughs> when you're in a group person, right, and people talk and, you know, people could say this about, about you your granny, your grandpa, your, your brother, your sister. But as they say something about the person, ma, you know that fire up a come in your stomach. Like, you know, if you defend your ma, Anna, if you defend, that, that kind of fire up a God light in a David's stomach. That same time, as Goliath may speak. As Goliath speak, that stirring began in a David. The stirring to the point that he said, who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? How dare he disrespect my pa, my God? my father right but god was just setting up the perfect timing and positioning for david right because that like what i share with you guys if david may get there a little bit later he may have missed the perfect timing and the perfect positioning but because because of the anointing that came and the God putting David inside of the castle, giving him a foot in the door. The positioning and the timing was perfect for what was about to happen. All right? So we'll pick up in a verse 28. Say, so, Now Elab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here just to watch the battle. 
No, what have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away from him. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. The men answered him before, the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul, prepared, Saul replied, You are not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When the lion and bear came and carried off one of the sheep from the flock, I went and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized, its by, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paws of the lion and the paws of the bear will rescue me from the hands of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. So this is the preparation period that God set forth in a David life. If you guys notice, even before Samuel anointed David, God may already prepare David for the role of Ahimeaphil, for the position of Ahimeaphil, not just as not just as king, right? But as a leader of Israel. See, when God have a plan for our life, when God have a strategy, a plan of attack for you to defeat the powers of the enemy, because make no doubt about it, the battle of power with the inner, each one of we play a role. Each one of we play a role in the big picture, in the attack at the end, right? Whereby we are get victory over the enemy. So when God have a plan for your life, or a calling, the enemy will always throw seeds of doubt. You see how David brother come in and say, oh, why are you there? You conceded, you just want to come watch the fight. You know? But that never derailed David none at all. That no poja, that no make it blink, nothing like that. You know, derailed none at all. Why? Because even from before the anointing, God made a prepare David for this day. If you take up a mantle as king, I mean, if we even look on it, it right in the story, this is how good God, good. David, that may a shepherd. Would a God, that what? the shepherd, we that what? Sheep, right? David, that may a shepherd. God made a train David, prepare David from that time. Because if you deal with sheep, hard. I mean, we had sheep as, as kids. Three times out of the week, you have to go untie the sheep because the sheep tangle up yourself. And they breed like this <laughs> because they choke up, right? God made it prepare David. God made it give David patience to lead the people of Israel. God made it show David that they're not just about leading, but about protecting and caring for the people who you lead, just like how he do with the sheep, right? Same as how he did with the sheep. Same way God made a prepare of it with the people of Israel. See, when Goliath spoke and the stirring began in David, David's strategy or his plan of attack never changed. Nothing never wavered from David. He kept the same mindset. He kept the same trust up he had in a God. And he moved forward. And that's the reason why he was able to say, 
this Philistine will be just like another bear or another lion. It's because he attacked and his strategy never waver and never change. And in that, he trusted the Lord. He trusted God's leading and God gave her the victory. He declared the victory for it and God gave it to him. Because I don't know about you, but reading a story like this and looking at it, a lot of times we take it as just a Bible story, a kid's story. And we don't really look upon how that would actually play out in a real life. Because if I may watch some sheep and a lion can get one of them, the lion may have a nice meal. Because I never go in, I never go in a fight. Right? We miss that a lot of times. We miss that how David must consult God. That one of the things that I love about David, he always may consult God in everything that he do. Right? And if you look upon it, and if you say he just gone after the lion like that, then you're kind of crazy because I don't think nobody would have gone after a lion like that. He consulted God and said, God, should I go? Will you deliver me from it? Will I come back with the sheep in hand? You know? Give me the victory over this even before I go. And so, we're going to pick up in verse 38. So, then Saul dressed David. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to it. Because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them, he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hands, chose five smooth stones, one from the stream, put them in his pouch on his shepherd bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with the shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with help, handsome, and he despised him. He said, Am I a dog? that you come at me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the... Sorry about Dr. Fly. Yeah, I don't want to guess, I don't want to guess well up. <laughs> said, come here and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with swords and spears and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom, have, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give your carcass to the Philistine. I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines, as the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his head, into his forehead. He fell fierce down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over the Philistine. He told the Philistine. 
he hold, he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheet. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw this, there were when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. So that's that where we are. That where we are. And yeah, this part, right? So we have the first of all the that's give me a Ninja ain't a dead. <laughs> right? So, we have the, first of all, the preparation whereby God uh, build it up, you know, get we ready for the moment um, to where he can position us. We see this all through the Bible, even with Moses, right? God prepared Moses in a such a way that Moses was supposed to grow up in a slavery, but instead Moses ended up to grow up in a the castle, right? He prepare and position Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and break them free, right? Same way and same thing he did with David. When it comes to us attacking the right way, we have to trust God's process. We have to look to him and consult him on each and every level. We can't just brush him off and go back to him when we need him, right? And in the attack, in how David defeated Goliath, I feel like this is where we have to truly understand what it means. Because, you know, this is where we have to truly understand what it means that we fight from victory and not for victory. Because looking at David's life, David never just said what he said. David believed what he said. So much so that he declared forth his victories and God delivered. Right? Because before he even stepped out, before he even stepped out and killed Goliath, the thing up get me what he said is that the battle is the Lord's. We have to change the the we have to change our plan of attack. We have to change the way we choose for fight. We have to, first of all, stop letting the enemy dictate our attack. We have to consult God as for his battle plan, his battle strategies. Because make no mistake about it, right? We're in our battle. And we see right now in this day, a lot of times the church take the victim mentality instead of the victor mentality. And we have to shift that. We have to start acting like the victors and not the victim. I love David's life, right? Granted, he make mistakes. Who doesn't make mistakes? But David, I mean, a man apart, he consult God. He said, God, should I go here? Should I do this? And if, and if you know, right, if God said no, then you know, do it. And that's that why I feel like God, the lead we into, into a, close personal relationship whereby we are consult him. Whereby our focus will be taking his battle strategies and putting them into effect. This week we, we had a class um called the pioneering spirit. And one of the things up I take away with part um Sean I think that Sean Bolt Sean Bolt said is that he said pioneers explore new realms. Like that 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 they're normal. 
they set up to explore new realms. And he said, back in the old, in the old days, in the old church, they may focus on building people, they never focus on building resource. And today, the church focus on building resource and not building people. And the enemy, the kill we in that section there, so. Because in focusing on building the resource and that becoming our main point of attack, we lose the connection, we lose the relationship, we lose the real aspect of, of ministry, of actually, you know, giving Jesus to, to people or actually, you know, ministering to people. And so, as we just, as you know, guys, you know, go through this week, as you know, guys, uh, hit challenges, hit different situations, you know, my thing to you know, guys, is let God lead. Consult him for the plan of attack. In every single situation, it could be the smallest situation, you know. Mrs. always said, "Excuse it, you know, spiritual intelligence, it. ask God. All right, so I know me quick, but you know that's the message for today. I love you guys. Yeah.